Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those people that were walking around the city of Jericho, there was, I don't believe anybody was, was keeping their mouth shut. When he, when he told them to shout, they'd been holding their mouth shut for seven days. I believe everybody was shouting. Even if they didn't understand what was going on, they were shouting. Amen? Because somehow or another, they just believed that if they, because God told Joshua to tell them to do it, they just believed if they shouted, something was going to happen. And we don't know what's going to happen sometimes. But sometimes we just got to get involved in the service. Yeah, yeah, you're starting off in the flesh. I get that. I come in here when I worship, it's, it starts off in the flesh. I got to get my flesh, wake, wake my flesh up. Shake it off. Shake that slumber off. Amen. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. This is not on the paper there, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Ryan, uh, Acts 2 and 40. And when, with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Who were they? All the saints, the new converts, all those brand new 3,000 people. Plus the, the ones in the upper room, right? And fear came upon every soul, everybody in the neighborhood, everybody in the city, everybody in the surrounding cities. Fear, reverence came upon every soul. Something awesome and incredible just happened. It's like everybody coming in town here for Oktoberfest. People come from all over the place, right? They don't just come from lacrosse. They come from all over the place to come here for that. It would be like God waiting for everybody to get in town for something like that and then have some awesome thing happen like the upper room experience and just totally blow away all the people, the local people and everybody else that came to visit. That's what happened. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. They had some zeal. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you first got the Holy Ghost? Do you remember when you first came out of that water baptism in Jesus' name? Something there was something exciting. You were just you were pumped. I mean, you just couldn't wait to tell somebody. And you probably were doing it. I don't know if wrong is the right word, but you were just trying to tell everybody anything you could tell them. Because something profound, you know, you went to work, you left work Friday one way and came back to work Monday another way. Right? And people were like, what happened to you? Right? We need to ask God to give us that back. We have gotten comfortable in our Pentecost. I don't know why I'm saying all this. But we have gotten too comfortable in who we are as Pentecostals. We gotta get we gotta get that back, that zeal, that desire that they had. That's why they went from house to house. That's why they had all things common. That's why they were selling their goods and, and making sure everybody else was taken care of. They were excited. They were new converts. And do you know that God honored that? Just their minuscule little human effort. And God honored that. 
And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So all that stuff before that part of that scripture was their job. It's their job. It's our job to have that zeal and desire. We are his vessels. Why do you think he told those disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray? Why do you think he told them, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What is he? What was he telling them? How many believes that God has a will? He's got a, a, a perfect will. And his perfect will has been in existence for how long? It's still in existence. It never wasn't in existence. It's always been in existence. So God has a perfect will. The question is, are we in his will or not? Or are we in our will? We're doing God's things our way. Right? God forbid if we are. I know He expects us He expects us as His vessels to operate down here. But He expects us once one of those scriptures says, as in heaven, so in earth. So that's what He was telling them to pray. God as it's as you've already determined it to be so. Because He's the same God that knows the end from the beginning, right? So He already knows the end of our effort. So, God, whatever it is I'm doing, let me do it the way you want me to do it so that your will will be accomplished through me. That's how his will, when he says, thy kingdom come, how does his kingdom come on this earth? Does he just shove us to the side and bypass us and just just barrel right through and bring his will and his kingdom into the earth and say, I don't need y'all? No. It comes through us. Through us. Thy kingdom come, God, through me. Thy will be done through me. Not my will be done the way I want to see your will be done through the way I want to do it. Right? He still uses our mind. He still uses my mouth and my, my mind and my voice. I know that. I get that. But I'm going to tell you right now, when I come up here... It's not about what Vince wants to say. And, I, and I'm praying the whole time I'm talking. Lord, don't let me say stuff that I don't need to say. Let me say what you want me to say. Because the souls of the people in this room and online matter. Your soul matters to him. And the souls that are listening online, they matter to him. And what we're doing here matters. In Jesus' name. Exploring God's Word. So why did I give everybody these handouts? Because they're student handouts. Huh? Why? Well, these are from a previous lesson, but the point of giving these out is that when, you, when you're teaching your Bible study, you need to be ready to give handouts to new believers, to, to potential converts. The one there, the color one with all of those scriptures about the one God. What an awesome tool to give somebody. It's great that they're coming to your Bible study. Awesome. Totally awesome that you got the, the opportunity to have them in your home or you're in their home or whatever the situation is and you're teaching that Bible study. But to give them something like that and say, here's your homework. Go study this. I'll never forget the Marine that, we, that the Lord won. We just were instrumental in bringing him in. 
But he went, he, he purposed in his mind he was going to go study the Bible and prove the pastor wrong about the oneness of God. He actually said those words out loud. And I went, okay, you just don't know what you just said. But you know what happened? He did. He, he meant it. He went and studied that. And he wasn't just some Johnny-come-lately. He was an E-6 in the Marine Corps. So he'd been around a while. And that guy went and studied that and studied that and studied that. And don't you know, when he came back to that pastor, he, these were the words that came out of his mouth. Pastor, you're right. So what happened? He took whatever scriptures he was given and took them home and studied them for himself. And God showed him through him studying it. God showed him. God gave him revelation. He didn't just get it. God gave him. God had to give him revelation. And I'll never forget the day that I got the revelation of, of Jesus' name baptism. It just came. It just came upon me as I was just sitting there. It was like, wow, where'd that come from? And the moment I knew that, it was like, it was all I could do. I had to get to the church and get baptized. Once you realize it, once you see it and know it, you got to do something with it. And so we, it's important what we're doing here. We're not just having a Sunday morning lesson, folks. And that other one that I gave you, the prophecy, that's not all of them. The slide's kind of hard to read, but I printed it in black and white. But these are prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. I encourage you to study this for yourself. What's the Bible say about being ready to give an answer to every man? Who is that? Everybody. Every human. You might get one opportunity on an airplane sitting next to somebody to, to just talk about the gospel, the love of God. And you might have two hours on an airplane. That's all you get. And you'll never see them again. But you got two hours. You might not get the opportunity to teach them an Acts 238 Bible study. You might not be able to, to teach them a Bible study at all. But you can love them. And you can let them feel the love and the power of God emanating from you. And you can leave them with something that they walk away going, My goodness, something was different about that guy, that woman. I felt something, man. Where'd that... I want to go find them. Where'd they go? Because they liked what they felt around us. Anyway, we were talking, we were introducing uh, the New Testament. And so, just to kind of rehash a little bit, we talked about that the book of Acts is, is the place where the New Testament church was launched. Right? That's where the church was launched. The church that we're a part of today, the New Testament church, that's still in existence. The book of Acts is still going on. We're still in that book. That's where the church was launched. Right? And God, in His wisdom, sent and prophesied of a man that would be sent to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, didn't they? Didn't know what the Bible said? He didn't name his name, but we found out what his name was, and he was actually related to Jesus. And when Mary was pregnant, he went, she went over to see her cousin Elizabeth, and the baby in that Elizabeth's womb wet, leapt. 
when Mary just walked in the room with Jesus in there, in her womb. That little baby in that womb knew who that was over there. He couldn't verbalize it. He was a little, little infant in the womb, but he, could, he knew something about that baby was special. And so can you imagine John the Baptist, his only purpose and goal in life and ministry was to wear camel hair and eat crickets and, and announce the ministry of Jesus Christ. And then what happened after that? He ended up in prison. You get to preach one message and then you go to prison. Can you imagine that? Same thing happened to Stephen. He got called into the ministry, preached one message, they stoned him to death, and that was the end of his ministry. <laughs> right? You know, Jeremiah, he spent all those years trying to tell stuff to Israel that God told him to tell him, and nobody listened to him, Sister Bell. He didn't have one convert. But he was doing what God told him to do. God never said, you'll have results. He just said, go tell them what I'm telling you to tell them. Right? Sometimes we get up here and we think we expect results and we don't get any. And it's like, did I just bomb? No, you just got up there and said what God told you to say. Just because people don't respond right in front of you doesn't mean something's not going on. That God's not dealing with people. I hope God's dealing with us. I hope you're thinking about teaching a home Bible study. I really do hope and I pray that you're really thinking about, i got to teach a home Bible study. That, that there's an urgency in you that i got to get somebody in my house or i got to get to their house. Because we got this, folks. You, you've got a testimony. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a PI teacher. You... You've got all the tools you need. I mean, my goodness, you can take your Bible with you. Right here. And look up Scriptures if you don't know them. You just put a little couple words in the search and bam, you're there. Hang on just a minute. Let me look that up. Matter of fact, you should get this app on your phone. That's what you tell your potential new convert. Oh, really? You can get the Bible? Oh, yeah, let me show you how to do that. Man, I mean, it's just, there's no reason not to do this. The incarnation. Hallelujah. Oh God, you're just God's in control. We're not. God's in control. We're not. God is in control. We're not. You know Jesus had brothers and sisters? He had a mom and a dad. And he had to obey his mom and dad. And they had to discipline him. I'm sure of it. doesn't say it in there, but I'm sure of it. Because he was just a young boy. And little boys get in trouble. Right? There's a guy in Kentucky that's now a minister of the gospel, but when he was going to the church camp in Kentucky as a little boy, they all had a name for him. Dennis the Menace. <laughs> and he'll tell you that. <laughs> so we all have our moments, didn't we? None of us were perfect children. None of us had wings coming out of our back. And so Jesus was no different. He was a boy. He went through the same things that little boys go through. And one time, 
when he tried to step away from being a little boy and tried to step into his ministry before he was supposed to one time. And wasn't that an amazing time? He wasn't just in there just standing over in the corner watching. He was right there in the middle of the doctors, the Bible said, asking them questions and answering their questions. And it was just amazing them. How does this little kid know all this stuff? So I guess in a way he was sort of introducing himself to them, but they nobody got it. Even married, it's like, hey, son, we've been looking for you. Come on. And do we hear about Jesus anymore after that until he launched into his ministry with John the Baptist? Nope. Why? Because he was still a, man, a young man. He still had to go home and obey his mom and do his chores and work with his dad and build furniture and all that kind of stuff. Right? So when he says to us in Scripture that he felt the things that we felt, he suffered pain like we feel, and he suffered hunger and thirst and all those things, he really did. He probably went through puberty. Right? That might be a touchy subject, but that's true. We all as young people go through that. I'm sure Jesus went through that. He suffered. He went through all the stuff we go through. Adolescence. Being a teenager. Acne. All this stuff that we went through as kids. Right? Jesus went through all of that. He, he's not one that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That doesn't just mean adulthood. That means every aspect of it from birth to 33. We don't want to talk about stuff like that. We want to chuckle about it, but it's true. It's true. It doesn't say that, but he, he didn't just skip from 5 to 33. And he, and he didn't, God didn't treat him any more special than anybody else, did he? He didn't. He let him go through all of that. Do you think Jesus ever wanted to go out on a date? Now, this sounds silly, right? But little boys... He had he walked in the flesh. Did he not walk in the flesh? In the flesh, like we do. He went through those things. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Because he was tempted in his flesh. Totally in his flesh. He was God, robed as man, but he was still tempted. So if he was tempted then, he could have been tempted any time up to that point. Right? Stuff we don't talk about. But I believe it's in there. I, I believe it, it all totally happened. Jesus was a man. He was a young boy. He was a, a teenager. He was an adolescent. He was a, a toddler. He was all those things. And so we have to understand that He really does know what it feels like to be one of us. From every point of it, from our childhood up. Some people suffered some things in their childhood. You're going to come across people when you're teaching your Bible study. They're going to have that will be conflicted about some stuff that happened to them as a kid. How are you going to deal with that? Jesus went through stuff like that. You've got to encourage them that, hey, he, he knows. He's been touched with it. He knows what it feels like to be one of us. The incarnation. What does that word mean? The dictionary definition says a person who embodies in the flesh a deity or spirit. So Jesus 
was the incarnate God. And we know that because the Bible says that an angel came and spoke to Mary and told her what was going to be going down with her having a baby and how it was going to get there. And just about the time Joseph, her, not her husband, her soon-to-be husband, was about to just put her away privately, the angel showed up and told Joseph, don't do that. What's, what's in her is of the Holy Ghost. You are, you are on the timeline, Joseph. You're positioned right now to be there for Mary. And so that's what happened. Everything according to Scripture, right? Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. This child to be born and this son to be given is going to be called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Once he comes on the scene, there shall be no end of his power and glory and dominion in the earth. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we knew from the Old Testament, they didn't know who they were talking about. But we're, we know, because we are a part of the New Testament church, we can look back at the Old Testament and know who that was. We know who that was. The child to be born and the son to be given, they quote this scripture and plays all over the country every year for Christmas. Right? All their Christmas cantatas and plays and stuff. But do they see who they're talking about? We need to pray that God lets them see that. Give them eyes to see. God, give them ears to hear. When you're having a Bible study with somebody, don't just wait between Bible studies and just think about everything else in the world. Pray. Pray over that Bible study. Pray over your own mind. Pray over your own spirit that you will be ready to do the job that you've been called to do. Pray over them. Plow that ground. Get their heart ready, God. Get their heart ready to receive impartation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Because I want to—I don't know about you, but I want to see those eyes of revelation when that when that happens. Don't you? I want to hear that. I see it. I see it. I want to hear that. I don't want to just hear it once, Sister Parker. I want to hear it every time. I want to hear it multiple times. My wife told the story um, Wednesday about a young man in Kentucky that were on this prayer call, and you know, you, you just never know where you're going to end up when you when God gives you an opportunity to teach a Bible study. Just He might have you just pray for somebody. They might just say, "You know, I need prayer." Be ready to pray in Jesus' name. You know how to do that, right? We got that power and authority. So this. This guy lives in Kentucky, and he's a pastor, and he's a young guy. And, and so they, these miners working in this mine, they, one of their guys, there was an accident. One of their guys got knocked, hit with a piece of equipment or something and died. And they called the pastor and said, can you come pray? Meanwhile, the EMTs and everybody else are on their way. 
So he goes over there and prays. He's over there praying for the other guys. Oh, you know, he was a good friend. And so all of a sudden, this guy just jumps up and says, Hey, what's everybody doing? Let's go back to work. He was dead a minute ago. That happened. And the next Sunday, that was just, you think that was a miracle? The next Sunday, all those other guys showed up to church. And every last one of them got the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have, and if God puts me in a position where he wants me to pray to raise somebody from the dead, so be it. I'll, I'll be that tool. I'll be that vessel. If he wants to do that, that's fine. I'm not going to get the glory. But if just can you imagine one person you're teaching a Bible study, and all of a sudden they just, they just stop you right in the middle of the Bible study, and they say, man, i got to pray. I just feel so strongly i got to pray. And so you start praying. Next thing you know, you hear them talking in tongues. And you're thinking, wow, this is awesome. You're thinking, man, this happened in my house. Oh, hallelujah. And so we get them here and get them all baptized. And the next Sunday, that person brings everybody and their family to church. Just imagine that, if you will. Now, let's not just imagine it, but could that really happen? That absolutely could happen. That absolutely could happen. I expect it to happen. But you know what? we got to get out there and teach Bible studies or it's not going to ever happen. Because we like to go right down to that scripture that says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We just want to kind of let, let the Lord add to the church. We're just going to sit here and wait for him to walk in the back door, right? No. He'll send them. In Azusa Street, when they were walking in the back door, there was a whole different environment and atmosphere going on than what we have right here right now. There was some praying like you've never seen before. I've never seen that kind of praying before. But I believe they were praying in the Spirit so deeply. I mean, there, there are stories from back then of fire departments showing up at buildings. Because they thought the building was on fire because they saw flames. God let the firemen see flames on top of the building. And they show up in the back door with their hoses and ready everything ready to go. And they're ready to put the fire out. And there's no fire inside the building. I want to see that happen. That needs to happen. Or something like that. I'm not saying we need to be like Mo- Moses and go get our staff and try to use it again. But you know what I'm saying. There's not going to be a move of God. The people in the book of Acts, they had to go from house to house. They had to break bread and have fellowship together. They had to sell their goods and part part them to all men as every man had. They had to do all their stuff that they had to do that he gave them to do. And our job is to preach the gospel. The good news, right? Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants... To save you. Well, how do I do that? Well, here's the plan of salvation. Let's talk about it. Right? Matthew 8, 26 and 27 says, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. But the man marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea should obey him? Who is this Jesus? 
what they said in those days. Who, who is this guy? Matthew sixteen thirteen through 17. And when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked him, his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And he said unto them, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Jesus answered and said, uh, and, Oh, I'm sorry. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had a moment of revelation. He was a fisherman right up to that point. Something happened. The light went on. It wasn't just the master speaking to him. He realized who this was. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for this is how we know it was revelation, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto thee. Not your flesh and blood, not anybody else's flesh and blood. I revealed this unto you. But my Father which is in heaven. You might have to teach a Bible study for six months, a year, longer. You might have to find yourself <laughs> like one preacher. He preached every, he taught every Bible study he had to this couple. And it took him like two and a half years. And he was back around to the one he started with. And they still hadn't come around yet. Did he stop and just give up on them? Absolutely not. You just got to keep loving people. You just got to keep. Lo- that's what. That's where really the the root of it all is. We got to have a love for people. You can mechanically teach a Bible study, just because the pastor said you got to do it, and it might produce fruit, maybe. But if you have a love for souls that compels you to do it, that causes you to pray, God. Don't let me just sit here Sunday after Sunday. Don't let me just sit here in my house and say I'm saved and that's good enough. Let me have a burden. Let me have a love for people. Give me a love for my neighbor. Give me a love for for some God, anybody. <laughs> you got to be careful praying that he might just send you somebody. That you're going, oh no, that's not the one I meant. But you don't ever know. You never know. You never know. Who the one that you think oh, can somebody else do this one? Is the one that God's gonna save and call into the ministry and just gonna blow everybody's doors off just with what God's gonna do in their life. All because you were there as a vessel, as a go between, as a is a, a way of drawing them in. Because he said, no man cometh unto me except what my Father draws them. Well, how does he draw them? He doesn't just magically do it. I mean, he can, but I believe he draws them through us. He draws them through us. That's how, they, that's how he, he added to the church. They went from house to house telling their story. He was drawing people through the testimonies of his people. talking about the incarnation Amen. and we're in lesson six and we're almost to the end of lesson six i'm gonna to try to finish it today the miracles of jesus christ his baptism alone by john was a miracle in and of itself because what happened at, at the baptism first of all john said no 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 i know who you are i'm not worthy 
And Jesus said, no, you have to. This is you got to fulfill prophecy here. You have to baptize me. And so when he did, something happened. The Spirit of the Lord descended like a dove, and John saw that. And he, they heard that voice that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. That was a miracle. That was miraculous. Ever, tons of people had been baptized by John, but nothing like that ever happened. And so what, what was that moment right there? That was the launch of Jesus Christ into His ministry. Up until that point, they'd, people had just kind of forgotten about Him. He wasn't really in the new in the, he wasn't on CNN news or any of that, you know, just but after that everything changed. I like how one preacher puts it he he left his dad's carpenter shop and locked the door for the last time and walked over to where John was baptizing. He was obscure up until that point. It makes sense because he did his, I believe, I'm, I'm fairly certain that his dad died and he continued the business of building furniture or whatever he was doing. And so he was just, until his ministry was launched from 12, we didn't hear anything about him until that day. So God, God has a very specific plan. And so that baptism by John was his entrance into the ministry. And what, what happened immediately after that? He went into the wilderness and was tempted 40 days of the devil. Did the devil show up in person like this, like me? And did they walk around together and he, the devil kept tempting him and messing with him? Or was he doing it in here? And, and i got a question for you to think about. How did he, you know, we read about he went, he took him to the pinnacle of the temple and he took him to all these places. That had to be a vision, right? So God let the devil give Jesus a vision? I mean, how did that happen? I don't know. I'm weird. I think about weird stuff like that. But how did that happen? It just boggles my mind. How did that happen? But needless to say, it did happen. And so Jesus, what did he do? The devil tried to misquote and misalign words in Scripture. And Jesus said, no, here's what the book says. No, devil, you left a word out. This is what the book says. This is what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to do anything but worship the Lord our God. And Him only shall we serve. And so he went through temptation after his ministry was launched. Are we exempt from that? No. The minute you get saved, the minute you get the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name, all hell's coming after you. I'm telling you right now. He is going to try to get you to quit on God. He's going to try to get you to believe you didn't get the Holy Ghost. You don't believe that? I know people it's happened to. That's real. He does not want you to be serving Jesus. But you've got to be determined in your mind and in your spirit that this what you have is real. When I come out of that water... Something about it, I I couldn't explain it, still really can't explain it, but something was different. And I have just lived and fed off of that ever since then. Because God did something to me that only God could do. 
And so after he came out of the wilderness, the Bible says in the power of the Holy Ghost, he went straight to the to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up and read. And and there was delivered to him the book, uh, this is in Luke four sixteen through 21, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, and he's quoting out of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance of captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he read this in front of all the religious people that were in the synagogue. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. It was just like stone silence after he read that. And they all—they were all Jewish scholars and Jewish rabbis and people in there. And they, they all knew that scripture. It had probably been read before, but it just something seemed different about it this time when he got up and read it. That same kind of feeling that John had in the the womb when Jesus' mother walked in the room. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. What was he telling them? All those prophets that I sent all those years ago and eons and decades ago that spoke of me, I'm the one they spoke of and I'm standing here right in front of you right now. What he was saying, essentially. And did they see who it was? Nope. For the most part, there were some that did. But they probably didn't dare say anything. Right? There were, there were some that came out later. Nicodemus and some others that came privately to Jesus. <clears throat> and the guy that buried him, you know. And Joseph of Arimathea and different ones. So there were people that really got it. So he announced himself to the world, and they still didn't get it. Even John, who baptized him, who believed that he was the forerunner of him, still had questions. And it came to pass in Matthew 11, 1 through 6, and when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and preach in the cities. Now when John had heard of in the prison of the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, "Art thou he, or should we come? Should that he? Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another?" I mean, this is the guy who saw the dove and saw the whole thing go down when he baptized him, and he knew that was who it was because he wasn't. He didn't even want to baptize him, and he's even questioning: Is this really him? And people out there will question, is this really real? Is this really real? Is what I'm experiencing really real? Can Jesus really deliver me from drugs and alcohol and all this stuff? They're going to question. And Jesus said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You think John was feeling like, well, what about me, Jesus? I'm over here in prison. Aren't you going to come and save me and deliver me? You think Jesus did? 
He didn't. John died in prison. Did he, was he in the will of God? I believe he was. So it was the will of God for John to preach one time and then go to prison and die. I got anybody would sign up for that ministry? No? No takers? But what if that's what God called you to? Would you want to do anything else but that? I wouldn't want to get out of that. John on the island of Patmos. He had to go through what he had to go through. That was the will of God. Is me being here today in the will of God? Is you being here today in the will of God? Or are you just here because you think it's because you decided to get up and you decided to wake up and you decided that that your heart was going to keep beating today? Or did God decide to give you life another day? Do you think God put it in you to have a desire to come to the house of God? I know we want to. I want to come. I want to come to church. I want to be here. Even if I'm sick, I want to be here because, well, not too sick, but you know, if I got a headache or something, I want to be here because the service that the devil can convince me to miss is the one that God's going to come and show up. Right? Thomas was. He missed it the first time, so he was there the second time when Jesus walked through the wall. Right? I want to be in the perfect plan and will of God for my life. Whether I like it or not. And if that means I've got to be in Wisconsin, then so be it. In my flesh, I'll be honest with you. I, don't, I want to be back home with family. But I don't want to feed my flesh. What I think doesn't matter. What matters is doing the will of God to me. And if that's what, if I have a peace about being here, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to stay right here. And like Mark Morgan said, the last thing God told you to do, you better be doing that until He tells you to do something different. If He told you to stop and stand still, you will still be standing still until He says the next thing to do. You better be standing right where He left you. Am I right? You don't have to think I'm right. I am right. It's not me being right. That's the will of God. We're all here by the will of God. So the heart of Jesus' ministry, we're going to bring this to a close. What was it? What was the really, the truly the heart of the ministry of Jesus Christ? What was it? Look around this room. Yeah. People. It was people. You look at his ministry. Where did he do? Where did he go? He had nowhere to lay his head. Imagine yourself teaching a Bible study right now. This is, it's almost like having a service, Brother Terry. So Jesus' ministry was focused most, the most of the emphasis of his ministry was on people. Loving people. Is there anybody on the earth at that time that Jesus did not love? Even when he was throwing tables over and doing all of that in the temple, he still loved them. He went to the synagogue. He went to the temple. He tried to preach to them. He tried to love them. 
they tried to, to trick him, and he would just turn around and just, just defoil all their tricks. But he was there because he loved them. He didn't just love the leper and the poor and the Zacchaeuses of the world and the tax collectors. He didn't just love the ones nobody else loved. He loved everybody. He loved the rabbis. He loved the ones that were trying to kill him. And how do we know that? How do we know that? One simple statement that he made when he was hanging on that cross. What did he say? Lord, forgive them. Who was them? Anybody and everybody that had anything to do with his crucifixion all the way down through time to this room full of people right here. Because we can be guilty of, I'm not saying anybody in here is, but we can be guilty of crucifying him afresh and anew if we're not careful in how we live our life. And so he said that. All the way down through time. Forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't realize who I am. They don't realize who it is they're crucifying. They don't realize that what they're doing is the will of God. It was the will of God for him to die. And we could get into a whole study on that. He went to that place of prayer and he prayed and sweated as it were great drops of blood and what did he say nevertheless father not as i will but as you will that needs to be our prayer lord i don't feel comfortable teaching this bible study i don't feel comfortable with this person i don't i, I know they asked me to come to their house to teach it but they smoke god i don't really want to go there and get all that smoke smell on me but god this is what you told me to do and so I'm going to be obedient and do what you told me to do. We got a preacher in our organization that's now a district superintendent. He might not be anymore, but he had to go to a room full of 23 guys that were in an AA program to teach a Bible study. And he had to go to their place. And he had to sit on the floor where the coffee table was because it was the lowest place in the house because all 23 of them guys were smoking like freight trains in that house. But he wasn't about to turn down that opportunity to teach that Bible study to those guys. They were hungry. And if that's what he had to go through, in his mind, he said, I'm willing to do that. He said, I just went home and washed my clothes every time I went to the Bible study and took a shower. He said, but other than that, he said, God produced fruit out of that. It's not always going to be based on our comfort zone. (laughs) Matter of fact, now I believe that God's going to take you out of your comfort zone on purpose so that you know it's not you doing it. That you're going, there's no way. And he's going, yeah, I know. That's why I'm asking you to do it that way. So it's not you, it's me. I get the glory, you don't. Amen? I know we're talking about exploring God's Word. But I guess the Lord's trying to use me to help to emphasize to you the, the importance and the need that we have of doing the job He sent us to do. We've got to love people. 
You've got to be real. You can't be phony and fake. You can't try to impress people with your Bible knowledge. You can't. You just have to be yourself. Be real. And let the Lord lead you. And He will. Those new, all those new converts, they went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship. And the Lord added, based on the efforts that they were putting forth. The Lord added, He didn't just bypass them. He added based on the effort they were putting forth in the community. So they had to be busy about their father's business, right? That's what Jesus did. Everything he did, everything he said, when they questioned him about it, I don't do it. It's my father's telling me to do it. I'm not saying it. It's my father telling me to say it. Would he do that for you? He'll tell you what to say. <laughs> he will. And when to say it. And how to say it. With the right he'll 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 if he wants you to be forceful, he'll let you know that. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Amen. Praise God. We're going to start on Lesson 7 next time. I hope that was helpful to somebody. If we would just stand right now. Jesus, we give you praise and honor and glory. Lord, I hope that I haven't let my flesh get in the way too much, Lord, and I've allowed you to work through me and honor your word, to honor your people, Lord Jesus, to help them, God. Lord, these are your vessels. These are your soldiers. These are your warriors, God. These are your church, your body, Lord. These are the ones, oh God, that are going to do the work, Lord, that you've sent them to do, oh God. These are the ones that you're equipping, oh God, for the work of the ministry. Lord, send them out, Lord, in their own individual ministry, Lord Jesus. Send them, oh God. Send hungry hearts and souls. Give them a love for people. Give them a love for truth. Give them a love, oh God. Lord Jesus, give them a desire, Lord Jesus, to see souls added to your kingdom. Thank you, God, for all of these in this place and online. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, we'll see everybody back here at a quarter till 11. 10. Whatever. 11.